Hello, Ben Avery here from the redundancy department of Strangers and Aliens. Why is this redundant? Well, you'll find out why in a few minutes when you've listened to the episode. But I do want to say something right here about this episode. This episode is not a summer movie series episode, but it'll be structured like one of those episodes where at the beginning I'll be talking about the movie in question without spoilers, and then I'll play a spoiler organ and I will talk about the movie with spoilers. So there'll be broad strokes in the beginning, my grade, who I recommend it to. And then at the end, I'll talk about some specifics because there are some very specific things I want to talk about with this movie. So without any further ado, here's the Christian Geek Central Network bumper. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 163, M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. Strangers and aliens. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that He created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Strangers. And aliens, I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am your host tonight as we take a visit to the movie The Visit, which is really a poor opening line, but it kind of works because of the kind of play on words. I really probably should re-record a new opening for this, but I'm not going to. I'm here alone right now, uh, mainly because this is the kind of movie that neither of my co-hosts, Dr. Jace or Steven, would normally go to in the theater. Um, it's the kind of thing that they would wait for. And since it was directed by M. Not, M. Night Shyamalan, uh, it's quite possible that they would not wait for it to watch it on video. It's more likely that they would just never go see it. Uh, I think that uh, I'm speaking for them, and I freely admit that I am doing so. I think that both of them probably... Um, don't have M. Night Shyamalan on high on their list, uh, especially after uh, After Earth. I have to go back and listen to the review that we did of After Earth, but I really don't think um, Dr. Jace liked it as much as I did. I honestly don't even remember if they even went and saw it. I don't even remember if they were on that episode. What am I talking about? I'm just rambling now. This is not a summer movie review not part of our summer movie series because summer is over. We are in October right now, and it's a great month. I love October. And for some reason, and I, I don't think it has anything to do with Halloween, Halloween uh, as a holiday doesn't have that many special associations for me. I know some people, it's one of their favorite holidays. Uh, for me, I do have some memories from Halloween, but uh, I find October, well, first of all, my birthday is in October. And 
Second of all, I love the season of fall, of autumn. I love that transition into winter. I love the feelings of nostalgia and melancholy that it gives me. Um, I, I just really like October and November a lot. It just there's there's uh, it's not just the nostalgia but that's that's a part of it uh but there's that feeling that you get when you go outside and it's gray and it's crisp and the air is cool and it's fresh and yeah it, it just is something that i have always liked and sometimes there are movies that i do go and see that kind of give me the mood of october and again i don't think it has to do with halloween for me although it might be the mood that the movies are trying to catch is that Halloween mood because, you know, Halloween is October, but I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it, what it, what it does, but I am going to, for the next two episodes of this, well, not the next two, this episode and the next episode of strangers and aliens, I'm going to be talking about two horror movies that came out in October of 2015. The first one being the visit and the next one being crimson peaks, which is uh Guillermo del Toro. And so these are two directors, actually, that I really, really like a lot. And they're finally, you know, returning with uh, some of the movies that they're kind of more, you know, what they cut their teeth on and were, were doing earlier in their career. I, am, I don't get me wrong at all. Pacific Rim is a movie that I enjoyed immensely. That was a lot of fun. But Pacific Rim as a movie probably wouldn't have caused me to become um, – you know, a fan of Guillermo del Toro. Uh, Guillermo del Toro did Pan's Labyrinth, which is one of those movies that it's just, it's just, it's brutal, but it's a, there's a beauty to it in the brutality. And it's something that I have talked about before, although I don't remember if I've done a Strangers and Aliens thing about uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, I might have to go back and check. Wow, we've been doing this for a very long time. And I know I did some things for an earlier podcast that no longer exists in any form anywhere, um, which is maybe for the best. But anyway, um, he is returning to that horror genre with that, that Crimson Peaks movie, Crimson Peak, not Crimson Peaks. It's Twin Peaks, Crimson Peak. Um, But this also then, The Visit, is another return of a director that I really, really like. And so, yes, I said this is not a summer movie series, thing and here I am six minutes in and I'm just now explaining this I probably should put something before the credits um actually you might be listening right now and you've already heard this because I did put something before the credits or maybe I'm just again rambling but I will be talking non-spoiler uh the first half and then I will move into a, a spoiler um mode after I play the spoiler organ where I will talk about some specific things in this movie because there is a lot to talk about about this movie I was surprised how much there actually is to talk about in this movie I was kind of expecting to go and be not very impressed by by the visit and honestly I was surprised Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there right now I liked the movie a lot more than I thought I was going to and I I went because I wanted to do this for October I wanted to do something with horror movies and I thought about doing you know some reviews of old horror movies that uh, or old horror franchises even like The Fly or something like that but instead I'm doing something with these more recent movies and uh, so let me set the stage for you Um, my wife is in Kenya 
and I'm, I'm home alone with the kids for a little while. And then we needed to figure out how we were going to take care of me going to work and the kids, we homeschool, so they're not going to be going to school. And, uh, so we ended up coming up with an idea. And so Monday, as I go to see this movie Monday evening, the day before I just took my children to my parents' house to have my kids have a visit with my parents, their grandparents. And as I was sitting down and the movie started, I started kind of smiling to myself at just how um, how apropos the situation was as I'm sitting here watching this horror movie about two kids going to see their grandparents. I'm surprised, actually. My friend Daniel, Daniel Butcher from Welcome to Level 7, he does that podcast with me. He went and saw this. And he, uh, he doesn't do scary. And he went and saw this movie. So, you know, kudos to Daniel for stepping outside his comfort zone. I'm, I was trying to imagine at some point while I was watching the movie, how would he react to this particular scene or this particular jump, jump scare? Um, I have another friend in a podcast, uh, actually Evan David, who you would have heard in the, the previous episode. And he was on the Tomorrowland uh, and the Jurassic World review episodes this summer. And he's another one that I definitely would not recommend this movie to him. Um, it's just... <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. There are jump scares and there are gross outs. And then there is just kind of cheesy humor. And I was, again, though, surprised as I'm watching the movie. I'm just thinking to myself, should I be liking this as much as I do? And I'm I'm just going to jump into things now because I the first thing is this is a found footage movie, which I have grown to hate found footage movies. Um, Chronicle. I watched and enjoyed it in spite of it being a found footage movie. The found footage part of that movie just bothered me. And there's so many movies that do this because it's cheap to do. It's cheaper to produce. Uh, You can walk around with a camera. You don't need a full camera crew. You don't need... um, you don't need the the cranes and you don't need, you know, the various things that you would use when you're filming with larger equipment or with more expensive equipment. Uh, although, you know, I imagine they you probably used a pretty expensive camera for this. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, though, uh, when I talk about doing things on the cheap, that's what he was doing with this movie. He filmed this thing on the cheap. I don't know how much he spent, but he was spending his own money after Earth paid for this movie. His fee for After Earth, he took it, he went, he filmed this movie and just did it on his own and didn't have a distributor, didn't know what was going to happen with it. But he just and I I don't I I can't begrudge him this. Uh, he's a guy who has vision. He's a guy who has talent and he's a guy who has passion for filmmaking Uh, vision, talent, and passion, all three, he has these things for filmmaking. And he did After Earth, which no one that I talked to really liked that much. And there was okay at parts. Um, He did Lady in the Water, which I haven't seen yet, and I've been told not to see. He did The Happening, which I haven't seen yet, but I was told not to see. Um, The last movie of his that I saw was was The Village. it, but he's someone who, because of Sixth Sense, and then he comes with Unbreakable, which is a superhero movie that 
has the sixth sense and we know the M night Shyamalan twist, which is what we were calling it uh, at that point. And those two movies were enjoyable and unbreakable had superhero stuff in it. And it was kind of a deconstruction of comic book tropes. And I, I found that interesting. Um, then you had uh, signs, which signs is a weird movie to me because Again, it's one of those where I maybe shouldn't like it as much as I do. I know Dr. Jace loves signs, and I think there's good reason for him to love it. There's good reason for me to like it more than I think I should, even though the ending is so contrived. That's the whole point of that movie. The ending is contrived because all these things just fall into place because that's what the movie is about. It's about basically um, not just destiny, but faith and believing you know that things happen for a reason and so all these things happen in the movie for a reason to line things up so at the end things resolve themselves the way they do it's the whole point of the movie and so if you get upset about well you know everything's so contrived and so coincidental or whatever uh and and i do get upset about coincidence (laughs) i it does bother me when a movie relies on coincidence unless the movie is about coincidence and actually, I mean, science is not about coincidence. It's about you know, div- divine uh, intervention, really. I mean, it's, it's it's all these things are put into place because they're meant to be. Uh, the village, though, nah, I did not like. I didn't. I didn't find it to be very good. I didn't find it to be very interesting. Um, the twist, you already knew what was going to happen. And so and I don't mind when you know something is coming, when you know something is going to happen. I've talked about this before. It's not always the what that is important, but what is definitely important is why. What happens can sometimes that's it's all you need, but why it happens and how it happens. Those two things then make something interesting, even though it might feel like a cliche. And so then I haven't seen the happening. I haven't seen lady in the water and I haven't seen uh, avatar. <laughs> and I think he did that avatar. The last airbender. I haven't seen that. And then I, I haven't. Uh, and then I did see uh, after earth. And so now I'm coming into this movie. I had heard people talking about it, saying it was a return to form. And I'm going to say this. I, f- I feel like it is a return. I feel like it is a return to, the old M night Shyamalan who um, I'm not going to call him a sellout. I'm just going to say, I, I, I feel like in the visit, well, let's put it this way with the sixth sense, everyone had an expectation of M night Shyamalan that it feels like for a number of his movies after that, it was almost as if he was trying to keep up and perform against the expectation that were people were putting on his art. And that's not a great way to produce art. It's not a wrong way to produce art. It can produce effective art. But I feel like we ended up, to me, I'm watching a drop-off. You know, I'm watching him create these movies and and progressively, you know, the first three, great. And then The Village, it was like he was, I'm trying to make an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And here you have other people out there trying to make M. Night Shyamalan movies too. And you just he's he's copying himself in a way. Now I don't know about the happening. 
couldn't tell you much about the happening. Um, and I don't know much about Lady in the Water, if there's that, you know, trying to do the M. Night Shyamalan twist. But um, with Avatar The Last Airbender and then After Earth, he was doing stories that were not his stories. He was being, you know, he was labor. He was work for hire. He was coming in to um, do an adaptation movie. And I'm not sure how involved he was in actually creating the adaptation uh, outside of the studio. But After Earth, that was Will Smith's baby. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, that's that's a lot of my art right now. The, the work that I create in comic books right now, a lot of it has been assigned to me by a producer, uh, or in this case, a publisher, but who has said, uh, we like the work you produce. We like the way you do what you do. Here is what we want you to do. This project, please create the thing the way you do. And, and so I have. There's nothing wrong with that inherently. But it can feel, and I do feel this way sometimes, I feel like I wish I could just spread my wings, be creative, do the stuff that I would like to do, um, but it's just the stuff that I would like to do, I don't have the money to put into it to actually produce it. I don't have the money to pay an artist to really do you know, some of the stories I would really like to tell. And I'm trying to find some other creative ways to be able to you know, spread my wings and, and do those kind of stories. But for the time being, it's just not the way it is for me. And I get that impression from M. Night Shyamalan. I feel like he has been able to say, okay, I've got this money that I did uh, for doing this movie that I did. And now I can make a movie I want to make. I can make a movie that feels like something I would like to have made myself. And so he has this movie. And, and now, again, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything here. Um, I'm going to get into some of the, the basics of, of the plot, though. The story is about two children, uh, one who is an aspiring rapper, the other who's an aspiring filmmaker. And the filmmaker, she's about 15. The rapper kid, he's maybe 11 or so. A lot of his raps are about how um, he's going through puberty now, finally, so that the the ladies can hang on him. Uh, it's it's funny, it's goofy, but he is effective. He is good at what he does. And it's not all jokey jokes with him. There are some real emotional moments with him where he's on camera telling a story about something from his past. And it's effective. It's very effective. The same thing with the, the girl, the, the sister, who she's an inspiring filmmaker, and she's actually the, the driving force behind the, the found footage. This is her documentary that she wants to make about her and her brother going to their grandparents' place. They have never met their grandparents. Their mother has not been home for 19 years or so uh, because she left. Their mother ran away from home with an older man that they did not approve of and never looked back. And what the daughter wants to do here is create this movie. And find what she calls the elixir, which is really she wants to uh, bring her mother and her grandparents back together. She wants them to be reunited. She wants there to be um, forgiveness and she wants that relationship to be mended somehow. And she's hoping this documentary might actually be a bridge she can create between her mother and her grandparents. So they go to this the the house of, and that's the visit. They're going to grandma's house grandpa's house they call them pop pop and Mima or something like that but they they go and they have never met their grandparents before and so it becomes a, a discovery 
and it becomes, you know, they, they explore the house, they explore you know, the grounds around them. They go into town to see the things that their mother grew up with because they've never seen any of this stuff that their mother has told them about when she's told them stories about her childhood. And so while they're out there with grandma and grandpa, their mother is on a cruise with uh, her new boyfriend and they're the the brother and sister have their their initial motivation sounds like you know well we can do this because grandma and grandpa reached out to them said we'd like to meet our grandchildren would you be willing to do that and the mom actually says i don't want them to do this this is a bad idea but then i mention it to my kids they think it's a great idea they want to do this and the the motivation that they say early on is you know let's give mom a chance to be alone with this guy Let's give mom a chance to actually get out of the house. Let's give mom a chance uh, to have a vacation. And then the the ulterior motive for the daughter, at least, is reconciliation. So that's the setup. And what they get then, and I, again, don't want to spoil, but grandma and grandpa have some secrets. Grandma and grandpa are kind of creepy. The house is creepy. There's, you know, all sorts of things with, you know, don't come out of your room after 930. We're old. We're old. Old people go to bed early. Well, we find out it's not just because they're old. We find out because uh, grandma does this thing that they call sundowning, where after 930, because of you know being out of the sun and getting you know the, the benefits of the sun's sunlight, she changes. And then they also say, don't go out to the shed. You know, what's out in the shed? Don't go down in the basement because there's mold down there. We don't want you to get sick. And so they have all of these, you know, things that are, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And so you're wondering why they have these rules. Why are they acting so strange? There's, you know, they have a story or um, a reason behind every strange thing, which means when another strange thing happens, they have to kind of go back and, well, they have to backtrack because what we said wasn't exactly true. This is actually true. And so it's the mystery of what's their secret. And you're waiting for a twist. And when the twist comes, it was natural. It felt like it, it felt like it fit the movie. It didn't feel like it was a cheat. It just felt like, okay, this is what we've been waiting for. And there it's not so much a scary horror movie as it is more of a creepy kind of thing with it's almost like a creepy comedy, maybe with all the, the jokes and stuff from the, the kids. And I read somewhere that M. Night Shyamalan said that there were two cuts of the movie that he did before the final cut. One cut was straight horror movie, just very dark horror. And the other was as a comedy. And then the one that he produced was was kind of a synthesis of the two. And I can see that there's some darkness to the horror and there's some darkness to the, the plot. There's darkness to some of the themes that are going on there. It's and so all that to say is there's more to this movie than I expected. I was surprised by that. I was surprised how much I found myself thinking about it afterward because there's themes of age versus youth. There's themes of the fear of growing old. There's themes actually of mental illness and, you know, dealing with uh, OCD. And uh, it just 
there's, but there's also themes of letting go of the past and letting go of, of anger. And then there's themes of broken family. And I mean, the, the whole setup is the background for this family is mom left to go away with this guy and never looked back and never spoke to her grandparents since then. Only every once in a while checking up on them on the internet and finding out that they were checking up on her on the internet as well through like Facebook or something. Uh, by the way, Facebook gets a couple name checks, but Skype, Skype must have given some money to M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, that it's all over the place. I mean, it is a branded thing, but they use it well and it's a natural usage of it. Anyway, uh, Mom left home. Mom married this guy. Mom had two kids. The guy met someone and left them. Just left them. Um, and so you, these kids are dealing with that. And I have to say, uh, as they were dealing with that, I mean, I I had emotions going on. I mean, I work in children's ministry. I've worked with children and with teens really over 20 years now. And as a youth pastor, as a children's pastor, as a youth treatment specialist in a, a residential treatment facility for troubled kids, um, uh, with college students, and, and, and then I have my own family with, with lots of children, and I have seen this happen. I have seen fathers just up and leave, and I have seen the devastation it leaves behind. And I know that that's something that, you know, it's it's not something that you want to talk about. And it's not something that um, a progressive society really wants to deal with, I think, because, you know, divorce and leaving to find your bliss, to find your joy, to find your happiness. Um, there's consequences to everything we do. There's consequences when you choose not to leave. There's consequences when you choose to leave. But this is a very, it was just a very emotional reminder to me of, you know, what's left behind in, in that kind of a situation. And these children are greatly affected by this because they were abandoned at a very impressionable age. And each of them had their own thoughts about why their dad left and had their own things to deal with um, afterwards and, and, you know, issues of control and self-image. And so this is where, what I'm saying, there's, there's a lot of themes. There's a lot of stuff going on with the characters that I really appreciated. And then there was the horror and then there was some jump scares. And then you're, you're kind of creeped out because, well, what are they doing? And I remember visiting my own grandparents and just, it's a different lifestyle that they live. They, they're empty nesters and they're older and their bodies aren't doing the same things, the same ways that they're able to do, you know, they've false teeth and stuff like that. And, uh, it's uncomfortable for children sometimes to be around age and to see, Oh, that's what I'm, that's what I've got in my future. And to see, you know, loss of physical ability, but also loss of mental facility. And I, I'm watching the movie and it, I'm watching, I'm thinking to myself, this is a movie about kids 
facing the fear of not being kids anymore in a lot of ways. And it's about these two old people and these two young people. And they're not, well, there's, there's conflict and there's just that weirdness of, okay, well, this is the way they do things, huh? And I, I really appreciated that as well. And so, you know, here I am, I've, I've gone on really, I, I've said a lot of the things I wanted to say maybe in the, the spoiler section, although there are certain aspects that I just have to talk about in the spoiler section that will really, I can't ruin it for you, but it, there's some weird stuff that happens, man. There's some stuff that I was just, uh, I was grossed out that was more horrific than a typical horror movie because I'm just thinking if that happened to me, I would be flipping out. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, if I see someone get their hand chopped off, I can, I guess, empathize with the pain because we've all felt the pain of a cut or something like that. But I can't empathize completely and wholly with that. But there were a couple things that happened to the kids, to the boy in particular toward the end, where I'm just like, that could totally happen. That could totally happen. And it would be, wow, it would just be awful. So anyway, my expectations were low. They were met and then surpassed. Um, I recommend this movie to people who uh, can tolerate movies that are not perfect, but that my grade is a B for this movie. I, I give it a solid B for everything except for some things that happened at the very climax. Up until that point, when we get to the climactic moments, there's some stuff that happens at the end that I didn't like that much, but I give it a B for everything that happens up until that point. Um, It might have been a higher grade if the ending had been what I would have chosen to be the ending. But uh, yeah, I recommend it to people who like light horror. I recommend it to people who like character drama, kid comedy. I do not recommend it to people who are going to be uh, really hypercritical because there are some things where you just, ah, really? They're going to let that happen. But overall, this is M. Night Shyamalan. I feel like he's not doing the sixth sense here, but he's close. Uh, the It's moody, but it's moody in the right way. Um, the characters, especially the character, the filmmaker, I feel like is a stand in for M night Shyamalan, the way she is wanting to do these meaningful things and the way that she's using big words and, you know, is very intelligent. Um, I feel like she was kind of a stand in for him, but then I think the kid was too, with his youth and his enthusiasm. And I feel like this is maybe I'm feeling some of the joy that M night Shyamalan is feeling as he's making this movie, but solid, solid B I'm going to play the spoiler organ now though, so that we can, uh, so that we, and by we, I mean me with you, not me with anyone else. Um, but I'm going to play the spoiler organ right now and, and talk about some of the spoilers. So if you've seen the movie, if you don't plan to see the movie or you don't mean mind being spoiled, Although this is one of those movies, M. Night Shyamalan, his movies, they're the kind of thing that they revolve around a twist. And I don't want to give away the twist. I feel like the twist 
was telegraphed a little bit, but not the specific twist. The some of the minor parts of the twist, I thought, oh, this is this is where we're going. Uh, but then the specific twist and when it happened was so natural and just flowed so nicely that I don't want to ruin that for anyone. So if you do have any plans whatsoever to see this movie, then please don't listen past the spoiler organ. Uh, but yeah, if you've seen it before, don't care or don't plan to see it, then go ahead and keep listening. Spoilers. 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 Poop and incontinence. This is the first movie I have ever watched ever that used poop and the fear of loss of control in a child to give themes of aging and and that kind of thing. I mean, if you look at the two kids and the way that they had to overcome the, uh, the, the villains, the, the, the grandparents, quote unquote, both of them had to overcome a serious, um, issue that they were dealing with because of the loss of their father. Uh, and one of them works well and the other one does not work at all, uh, with the girl, she has to, she doesn't look at herself ever unless she's looking at herself through a camera. In other words, she's looking at footage that she's shot and now she's editing. And for her to defeat the grandmother, she has to turn around and look in a mirror and crack the mirror and then use the mirror to kill the grandmother. Now we're going to talk about that because I, that was the wrong ending killing of the the old people by the young people that is the wrong ending and i'll talk about why i think that way and feel that way but um she had to overcome that whole i don't look in the mirror at myself because of the self-image things that she's dealing with and it's not self-image in the sense of i look at myself and i see ugly but it's more she feels she does not have any value she does not have any worth That's what she, and this is my interpretation, although I think some of it is not subtext that I'm pulling on, but actual text that was literally said out loud. But she feels like she doesn't have any worth after her father just up and left and never said goodbye or left a card, I think, for her or something. With the son, uh, he was dealing with issues of control. And part of that is this whole germaphobe kind of thing where he won't touch doorknobs unless he's using... Uh, in public, anyway, he won't touch doorknobs without a Kleenex. He won't turn on faucets without a Kleenex. He won't flush the toilet without a Kleenex. And he actually has a moment where his sister helps bring him down because uh, he feels like the germs on his hand are spreading because he had to touch. I can't remember if it was, he had to flush or he had to turn the water on or off without a Kleenex. And she's trying to wipe it off his hand. And, you know, it's, it, she then says that their counselor that they went and saw for a little while was attributing this to um, him wanting to have control and 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 wanting to stay in control and be in control. Then there's this other aspect of his backstory where he tells a story about playing football and how he froze. He was supposed to tackle someone, but he froze. And then his father was up by the sideline and never said anything. And then that was the day he got in the car and left. Or at the very least, uh, that was you know close to that time. And 
he just kind of held on to this guilt that if he would have just tackled the guy, if he would have just played the sport the right way, made his father proud, that his father wouldn't have left. And when his sister calls him out on that and says, so what you're saying is, and he says, well, when you say it out loud, it does seem kind of ridiculous. But then the the way he conquers his battle with, um, well, with, with grandpa, you know, is he runs and tackles grandpa and then runs and tackles him again and tackles him again. And so it's the kind of thing where, yes, M. Night Shyamalan, it's, it's, it's Chekhov's motivation, I guess. You hang it on the wall and you got to use it. And where he would freeze and not have control. And so to take down Grandpa, when Grandpa grabs his sister, he unfreezes because he's been frozen this whole time. He's been standing there, not able to move because of fear and pain. He's been, he's been knocked around now. But he then runs and tackles. And it's, it's just that kind of... He's conquered that part of himself where he has to, you know, where he, he can take control and not be just frozen. And, and it's not out of control in anger. It's just out of control and I can't move. He can't even move when grandpa takes off his diaper and smears poop on his face. And I am telling you right now, that is horrifying. I watched that. And I was just, I, I wanted to throw up in my mouth a little bit. It was disgusting. And, you know, again, fitting perfectly with this kid's problem, you know, where he does not want to touch a, uh, you know, the, the handle on the toilet to flush the toilet. He doesn't want to do that. And now he has poop just pushed into his face and smeared on his face. And I'm just, oh, it was horrifying. And so that's where, you know, this movie is, there's creepiness to it. Uh, that kind of horror is not exactly... You know, it's not it's not a guy, you know, getting his throat slit. It's not, um, you know, someone's skin being ripped off, but it's still pretty awful because it can happen. Diapers are gross. I'm just going to say it right now. I had to learn how to hold my breath. To change diapers, because I would start gagging and if I was home alone uh, and I, I, I did it. I mean, it, it's not I mean, my wife would. She if she was home, she would go ahead and, and change the diaper, even though I'm right there and I could do it. I would start. I would offer, but she would say, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. But when I was alone, what I would learn to do, especially if it was a messy one where it was going to take a long time to clean up, is I would almost do it like I was, uh, you know, deep sea diving or you know something like that, where I, I lean over away from it, take the deep breath, hold the breath as long as I could. And and so this movie tapped into a fear of mine, I guess, or maybe not a fear, but definitely something that makes me feel ill. Um, but so that's where it's, it feels almost a little too clever in, in almost a little too M. Night Shyamalan, I guess. But, um, you know, it's set up nicely and the mirror thing doesn't work for me, though. And I think part of it is because I did not want those kids to kill the old people. Now, the old people were not evil. They were they were broken. I mean, they were mentally ill. They had escaped from a, a, a place where they the, the real grandparents were volunteering. And they took the real grandparents' life, literally and figuratively. Uh, they killed them and then took their place. And I, I feel like the 
you want them to conquer what's holding them back. And, you know, the daughter keeps talking about the elixir for her mom, which she ends up getting somewhat. But or at least finding that it was already available. So I, I want them to conquer that stuff. I want them to you know, deal with their pain that they have about their father leaving them. That's horrible. You know, that's that's real life horror for any child. And, and honestly, it's, it's real life horror for adults, too. But killing them, I feel like was that was the wrong impulse because killing someone, that's not something you recover from quickly. And they try to, you know, play it off and say, well, they end up going to counseling or something like that. And they're OK in a few months. That hangs on. And I feel like they almost, you know, they they're terrorized and then they're traumatized and then they act on that and murder. Well, again, maybe self-defense, but so not murder, but they kill those people. They took a life. And in doing so, I feel like that pushes their character arc in a direction that I didn't want to see their character arc go, first of all. And then it didn't even push their character arc in that direction anyway. They're they're fine. And so you cut from them running out of the house after having killed those two people to their mother, which that's uh, I that's good, you know, and, and the music they're playing and I could see what they're doing. You know, she said, I want ironic music over the, the moment when my mom, you know, can get her, her uh, redemption. But they run to their mother. They go into the cop car. We fade to black. We come back and mom says, don't hang on to anger. And it just feels like just this, we're going to turn this thing 90 degrees and we're going to go left when you think we're going right. And that's not the kind of twist I want where uh, it's, you know, we had this horrible moment and then we get some moralizing about it. I would much rather have had the kind of situation where they were able to maybe trap the grandparents and still, you know, overcome the fear. Let him do the tackles, but let him do the tackles and then get grandpa to fall down the stairs into the basement. He's still alive. And they trick the grandma to get in there somehow, you know, and use a mirror somehow. Still bring the mirror into it. But the mirror becomes the instrument for her murder. And it just, it it didn't feel right to me. And I, I really feel like there should have and could have been a way to allow them to conquer what they needed to conquer without killing the grandparents. Now, that didn't ruin the movie for me completely. And, you know, they they come back to the end credits where um, she lets her her brother rap over the end credits like she uh, said she wouldn't do. But she's doing her hair in front of a mirror, you know. And, and so there is this idea of resolution and there's a lot of subtle things going on. But that problem, I, I just I, I had a real problem with that. But I do appreciate that ending with the mother. I love actually the idea that, you know, mom and dad reached out to me and I never reached back. You went to try and get them to forgive me and find forgiveness for me from them. They already offered it. And I do get a feeling, you know, the mom's parents are gone. They're dead. She's not going to be able to have that resolution but she is getting some 
And it is through her, her daughter's actions that she's confronting some of these things that she didn't want to confront. And that's good. All three of our main characters get to confront the problem that they really need to confront. But it's the whole killing thing that just gets it for me. I, I didn't like that. Anyway, um, I really like this. There's a lot more I could talk about, but my voice is about to give out. And so I need to, to shut this down now. So I, I do want to thank you for listening. And the next episode will be, uh, I'll be talking about Crimson Peak by uh, Guillermo del Toro. I am expecting to like that one. So I'm hoping that it's not going to be the mirror image of this where I did not expect to like this and ended up liking it. And this one I'm expecting to like and not going to like. I, I, I We'll see. We'll see. But um, yeah, until next time, I just want to say again, thank you for listening. And of course, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.